Hello, I'm Steve Joel, and this is episode 17 of my podcast series dedicated to celebrating the people who've changed the way we Warhammer from all over the 40k world. Being here in Canada, you know, of course now, I, you know, I say A a lot and I drink lots of maple syrup. <laughs> so it kind of like comes out in how I speak sometimes, eh? Today we'll meet someone that the great Lawrence Baker once said was part of his inspiration to get tabletop tactics started in the first place. In fact, this might be the most emotional episode of the podcast ever. Even now, like I'm, it makes me tear up and well up a little bit. But like, how grateful I am that the community that just like propped me up at like the lowest point in my life. Sorry. Forty K Game Changers is supported by the Frontline Gaming Network, the team behind the biggest forty K events in the world. Registrations are open right now for the SoCal Open. Get in before tickets sell out. This is going to be huge. And registrations for the New Orleans Open are available from next week. Get excited. We just want to make this a positive celebratory space really perfect right up my alley yeah yeah i know it is i know it is so let me do a let me do the intro and then we'll and then i'll start asking questions here we go i like it he's won the capital city bloodbath along with various other gts and majors as well as honestly more rtts than i could even count as i started doing the research over the last few years he was at the very top of the itc drukari rankings in 2020 He's an Art of War coach and the assistant captain of the Canadian 40K World Team Championship team. And he's better known by his nickname, Scary than by his actual name, Ridvan Martinez. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm honoured to be on the podcast. The first thing I want to do here is uh, say that when Tabletop Tactics posted their very first video more than six or seven years ago, and I found this out when I was doing my research for the very first show we did here with uh, talking to Lawrence. One of the very first people to subscribe and comment on that very first Tabletop Tactics video was you. Uh, <laughs> and I want to read this out. Liked and subbed as a Dark Elder General and Wargamer, I, impressed. I am impressed. Love the look of the army. Well done. This bat rep was short enough and full of information. And then Lawrence replied that you were one of the people that inspired him to get the whole thing up and running. So how good did that feel? Well, that um, I will take all the credit as a true archon will. Um, you're very welcome, uh, the entire world, for uh, um, <laughs> inspiring tabletop tactics. Um, but no, honestly, that whole team is just fantastic. And as a, like, just at that time, especially, it was refreshing to see someone else, like, breaking into the whole uh, content creation world. And doing it with a faction that's near and dear to my heart, which is like seeing another Drukari player or Dark Eldar player, like we used to call them back in the day. Yeah. Um, that was so passionate about the game and had a knack for entertainment. Um, I want to come back to you and Spider as well, because there's been talk recently on various platforms about you guys crossing swords. So we'll, we'll touch on that a little later on. Uh, I want to also say that the whole time I've been doing this, starting at 40K today and then over to here, 
you've been enormously supportive, and I wanted to thank you for that, and, and I want to get that out of the way at the beginning so that uh, I don't know if we call it a conflict of interest or just that I have a vested interest, but, uh, you know, so people know this is not the first time we've chatted, and I'm appreciative of all your support. Oh, well, you know, you do great work, Steve, so continue doing what you're doing. It's uh, I love the podcast. I love that you bring people together, and you have... A face for television and a voice for radio. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Most people just say a, a, a face for radio, so I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so where does the name Scari come from? Let's start with that. Uh, Scari is a name that I concocted for my Tomb King when I played Warhammer Fantasy. Right. <laughs> it was Tomb King, Scari, something or other, and I wanted a name that just sounded exotic. Yeah. Um, then it turned into a pun for my podcast, which was Scardcast. Yeah. Uh, back in the day when, uh, before I even had the YouTube channel. And it uh, was, I had a, the classic Goat Boy artwork back when that was, you know, unique thing in the, in the world of Warhammer 40,000. And it was a Black Templar space marine yelling into a microphone with a big headset on massive headset with a big scar across his face and the whole point was that the topics would be so intense they would scar you <laughs> and that's why it was called Scardcast. what's um funny is that i saw that goat boy artwork and i assumed that that that, that had been done more recently but that is that's the og that is the original uh Scardcast like logo was the black templar space marine yelling into the microphone yes so were you one of the first people to get goat boy on board and get him involved in i mean not that this is supposed to be about goat boy but that his artwork is now so prevalent across all the out of war coaches and, and so many other people did you get him into it i just remember i remember doing him doing a, a lots of stuff for like balls like bella lost souls right and i think it was through there that i kind of found him and i like reached out to him and got a quote and I was like, I need some artwork. And this was, like, this was, I want to say 12 years ago. Right. <laughs> this was a, it's a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, in my research, I also found out that Scari means host in Icelandic. So I thought that was appropriate. Oh, is that re- Are you, you're not kidding. Are you? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I was, I, well, that is I, amazing. I'm... I will take it. <laughs> we did a DNA test with my family and I've got some like, you know, Scandinavian raider, blood in me so I'll, I'll take it we look forward to you taking up uh space wolves then in the near future uh, uh, right. actually uh, your no back- horns on this helmet though <laughs> your your background i find fascinating i pride myself on being really good at picking accents but yours is a mystery it's a little north american you at first you sounded kind of english to me and i know you've got a spanish surname are you very international are you a mix of things have you shifted around a lot what's your story you're getting personal now here, aren't you, Steve? Um, <laughs> we don't have to discuss it if you don't want to, but I want to know. No, no, it's it's completely fine. I I I like calling myself a universal citizen. Uh, that's only because I've bounced around so much when I was a young young lad. Yeah, I uh, was born and raised in Mexico in a place called Cuernavaca, Morelos, which is south of Mexico City, and um, I bounced around quite a few places in Mexico while I was growing up. Until I was 18, finished my uh, high school, and then moved to Canada with my parents. 
Now, my parents are uh, mixed. My mum is pure English, like redhead English from, you know, Manchester. And then my dad was born in England, but he's from Spanish, like Spanish, Spain, like family. Right. So therefore my surname. And um, and they they lived in Mexico. And then we moved to Canada about, I want to say, 16 years ago now. Wow. So I've almost been in Canada as long as I lived in Mexico. And so it's a mix. Like we spoke English at home in Mexico and it was like the Queen's English. Yeah. So um, you spoke with my brothers and then being here in Canada, you know, of course now I, you know, I say a a lot and I drink lots of maple syrup. <laughs> so it kind of like comes out in how I speak sometimes, eh? Sure. You you go to hockey sometimes? I got to go play hockey and yeah. hot, shut the pucks and, you know, and... <laughs> Get the hosers and you know get a twofer and sure. all that good stuff. Do you? Does that mean you speak a bunch of languages? I'm assuming you speak Spanish uh, as well. Podríamos hacer el podcast en español si tú quieres para todos los que hablan español en España, en México, en Argentina, en América Latina. Un saludo a todos los los jugadores de, de que hablan español. And um, and I speak a little bit of French, more ah. like I understand it and yeah. probably wouldn't starve. If I were to be dropped in a French-speaking country, right, right. Uh, my wife is French, so I speak a little French as well. So, so we've got that in common. But I didn't understand any of you. Well, I, I understood enough, but but not really. So <laughs> that's that's it's I was, it's a, it's always tremendously impressive when people can speak more than one language fluently. So let's look. Let's talk about uh, you got started in the game twenty years ago. Uh, what was it that made you pick up that very first box set of Dark Elder and Black Templar? Third edition, absolutely. I well, my grandmother passed away in in England, and I flew up with my dad. This was back in the day when mad cow disease was all the rage. Oh my god! Uh, this was back in the day, yeah. and um, and my dad and I had played and built, or like built a lot of like model kits. You know, just like just model kits, like airplanes and the odd boat. I had like my favorite was Jacques Cousteau's boat. You know, like his his like naval yeah. vessel that he used for sea exploration and stuff. And I built that, and it was in my room. And after the like, we stayed in England for about a week after the funeral, and we were just walking in a little little village in in England somewhere. And there was a shop. The shop, the the front of the shop was covered in model kits. And I was like, cool, model kits. So we went inside, and at the back. There was like a huge Warhammer like area. And I was like, I've seen these things in magazines. These are so cool. And I ended up walking out with a with a box set. And uh, yeah. And then from there, the rest is history. Played a lot against my brother. We quickly found out that the box set was not balanced at all. <laughs> the Black Templar versus Dark Elder box set, not balanced. Correct. Not balanced <laughs> whatsoever. I actually, I really love that you're still playing both. I mean, you're most famous, of course, for the for the Drukhari or Dark Elder, but you also still have your Black Templar army, and I've seen you do bat reps with the Black Templars not even very long ago. So, so there's still you're passionate about both armies to this day. Oh, absolutely! I still have my original chaplain that I bought 20 years ago. I still have my original Empress Champion. I still have my original Land Raider Crusader with the metal Hurricane Bolters. I still have like my original Vindicator, which is on the old chassis. 
um, and and the original Marines that I had, like the Crusaders. So I've added to it over the years, and it was yeah. my main army. I've I've probably played with them just as long as I've played with the Dark Eldar by this point. Yeah. Are you now? I had this conversation with the the guys on the Canhammer podcast recently about people. Some people hold on to an army forever and ever and, and just keep building it. I'm a person, and I regret this now. I've only been in the hobby for about five or six years, but. Uh, the Black Templar army, that was my first army, and then I sold it all uh, to shift into something else, probably Drukhari, actually. And then yeah. and now I regret it because I'm actually, I love them so much, I'm wanting to build my Black Templars up again. So I wish I had not sold them all. Are you a person that sells and shifts and changes, or do you keep everything? I do both. Okay. I keep things that I have, like, a nostalgic link to. Um, however, I am very prone to clearing the closet as it may and i i tend to give a lot of stuff away especially when i'm running events like if i'm running an event and i need some extra prize support i'll literally just like go to the stack of models i have lying around (laughs) and try and clear as much of it out as i can um so you know i try and cycle through it you know i have limited space and you can't keep everything however I, it's it's a fine line between hoarding and knowing that I'm going to use it at some point, so keeping it sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so Scardcast, the podcast, which you said started even before you were doing YouTube videos. What was it that made you go, I want to talk about this game that I'm playing. I want to talk about it and get word out or whatever it was. Uh, I believe it was the Canhammer podcast. You know, Chris Haynes had really been doing the podcast back in the day and and it was just a podcast, and there was also a few other podcasts out there. And I thought it would be a good medium. Uh, it would be an easier medium for me to explore than videos at the time. Like at the time, you know, I didn't really understand YouTube or anything like that. But it was like the medium that you could use to sort of like reach an audience and talk about your experience that wasn't like a Google blogger account where you could have like your like blog, yeah. <laughs> which was like the main thing that you did back then. Yeah. It's like you had a blogger and that kind of linked it to the podcast. And so I did both. I did like, and then of course forums, which were like, you know, huge. And it's kind of that the whole, that whole scene has really changed in the years. But, um, I, I really wanted to be able to have a place to sort of explore really cool ideas, talk to cool guests, and sort of just explore the, the hobby and try to be positive about it. Because there was, just back then, like, there is now a lot of, like, negativity surrounding the company, the hobby, like, all this stuff. And it was, I just wanted to surround myself with positive thinking individuals that, that like, had, like, similar um, ideals to me and whatnot. And over the time, over doing the podcast, you know, I got, I, you know, I had Andy Chambers on. I had, you know, Graham, I had some, like, other black library authors on i had like there was it was like a really i was inspired to do it and it kind of like it just sort of created itself out of just the gusto of doing a podcast and it was really fun i enjoyed it a lot yeah and you have look i've had a look at the very first video that you that you put up on your uh, youtube channel <laughs> that's a seven i didn't even it's not even a complete parable <laughs> Well, battery died. I was like, "Oh, well." (laughs) (laughs) But but listen, you have you've hardly changed. Particularly, 
You would have been amazing on a podcast. I haven't had a listen. I'll, I'll admit I haven't had a listen to the Scardcast pod, Scardcast podcast. But your voice, you have a voice for broadcasting. You have a voice for this sort of thing. You have a natural uh, ability to connect with an audience. So a podcast seems like a real natural fit for you. I'll, I'll take that as a real compliment coming from you, Steve. <laughs> um, like a legit compliment. I feel it's it, what took me the longest was to cut the ums and ahs as much as I could out of my speech. Right. And that was uh, that like just that that really, you know, propelled me into taking my time when speaking. And even though I speak very, very quickly, that's the Spanish in me. I just want to speak with my hands. So I'll talk very fast. And, <laughs> and I like enunciating words or giving emphasis to certain like topics or things I want to talk about. Yeah. And I feel like, yes, it's like a storytelling voice. Like I love telling stories if that makes sense it does it does and i'm look I'm, I'm you know i'm not blowing smoke you you're good at it and that's why you've been doing it for so long and with success so the first video let's go to the videos nine years ago that was as you mentioned the very very first one nine or ten minutes long there are and you most of the first videos for the first little while were really abbreviated battle reports we didn't really see models moving around you'd sort of tune back in and say okay this is what's just happened and that was i still do that now actually yeah. Um, so that's what you decided this is this is where it's at or it's just what you felt like doing. It's what the audience wanted as far as you were concerned. What was the decision-making process there? I was inspired by the Frontline Gaming Battle Reports. Uh, they had, like back in the day, they, they were like one of the only uh, folks like Reese and Frankie in their little tiny shop. They were like doing battle reports back then. And that was the, the style of bat rep. Another... Um, inspiration was someone that was doing battle reports here in near Toronto called Eldar Corsair. At least he had a channel. And it was a relatively, like that, his style of bat reps was that sort of record and give a synopsis. And that was one of my biggest inspirations, as well as like Fritz 40K. And there was like a variety of other like fringe content creators that, you know, at the time were like the only content creators. And so I just took a lot of inspiration from them and was like, you know, I, I decided to try it out because nobody played Dark Eldar. Like nobody. It was just like nowhere. Like right. it was just like a void. And I was like, I, I've got a cool faction that I feel would be really interesting to explore and showcase. So I started with that. For the longest time, you were doing this sort of very abbreviated and then slightly less abbreviated. Like there was still, you know, it was more of a synopsis report, but it would take more like 30 or 40 minutes. I think when I discovered your battle reports, I'd bought a Drukhari army and I was trying to figure out how to play them and I was looking for Drukhari content or Dark Elder content and I came across your stuff and this is five years ago and it was it was still that very uh, abbreviated and actually great for me, for my attention span, <laughs> just to be able to go, okay, this is the list that he's building and this is how he's using it and you know to be able to see deployment and where you'd move to and what had happened. And then more recently you've... I feel like you've settled on more like a, there's a few out there that are like an hour long. Have you? Do you think you've settled on a formula or are you just always having a look at what's going to improve it and what's better and what else you could do? To be honest, it's more about how much time I have to film the battle report. Right. So a lot of the time, content creators have come to me and said, hey, I'm thinking of starting a channel and, you know, I, but I want it to be perfect. And what I try and say is, like just do stop thinking and <laughs> yeah. and and even though my format does change like the the formula that i have is 
is very is very much the same. Like the intro, the like the intro sequence, my like army introductions, that sort of stuff is like the same. It's very familiar and it happens every single game. But then the game can definitely change. Sometimes I'll do a synopsis battle report, but only show off like cool like parts of the game with the roles. So sometimes I'll do games where I do an hour long battle report and show every single dice roll. Mm-hmm. And I tend to do that with smaller games like my Crusade games or 1500 point games just so that the, the game doesn't drag on so much yeah but a lot of the times if it's a competitive game i'm a competitive player which means for me to film a battle report i the synopsis like this is what i want to do this is what happened sort of thing works a lot better when i'm invested in the outcome of the game right like yeah. I'm trying to win a game or I'm trying to sort of showcase tactics or strategy in the game. And therefore, you know, me holding a camera and rolling dice like and making like filming for four hours isn't really conducive to sort of like practicing for a tournament right. where you get two and a half hours for a round. Right. And you kind of like you have to try and make the content while keeping within the time constraints if that makes sense. Yeah. And trying to keep it concise and keep your mind sharp in what you're trying to achieve within the game while at the same time being like, this is the grand plan, you know? And you tell your opponent, like I'm literally telling my opponent what I'm trying to do, which then makes the game more engaging and more like harder for me because they're like, I'm telling them what I'm doing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Giving them, giving, giving your strategy away. And so people, I guess, may not understand behind the scenes how much longer it takes when you're trying to film and then the editing process. I saw a game you did with Jim Vessel uh, and it was just such a great learning game for someone like me to watch you two very, very high level players. But something like that when you're playing against someone like him and you, you were, you showed a lot more of the game there. How long does that take when you're trying to film and play at the same time? Uh, about three hours, three three hours minimum, depending on how quick you it you do it and how much chit chat there is. Right. With a chit chat, it'll be about four hours yeah. um, to film a battle report at my style, and yeah. um, and without chit chat, you could do it in about two and a half to three. Right, and there are there are a bunch as well, and it's it's. You seem like a person who has a lot of friends in the game, and you you bring them in and you include them. So your your, I guess, uh, style is not like some other content creators where you build a studio and you have a bunch of people who are in there. You take the show on the road and you go to shops and you have buddies in different stores and you have buddies around Canada and around the states, and you go there and you film in situ, um, and that works for you, right? That's kind of your modus operandi. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love that style. And you're right. You know, no one's like, I guess it's true, but you've articulated that very well. Like the, the aim of what I do is to showcase the game. If that makes sense. Yeah. In like as, as real a scenario as you can. So yes. And, and a lot of the times as a one man show, right. I've got some, I've got lots of help from people in the community, but like, at the start, it was me and my filming like equipment, which is my phone, right? And then I can literally take that anywhere and have any game be about a report, right? And it, and it was a great way to get content made that fit into the crazy schedule that I had. Yeah. And because I traveled so much for work, it meant that I could meet, greet, and 
learn about different metas and learn about different people and sort of like have a place to hang out even if i was like on a week-long road trip for work there'd be somebody there who played warhammer and i could create a battle report and have fun and sort of feel like i belonged even in this like very strange place or location where i'd never been before there are so many you've been in this game for a while creating content i mean not the game of warhammer you've been you've been doing well first the podcast and then the battle reports and so much other content as well not just bat reps but over the years uh, other people have come and gone for various reasons i want to ask about the things you've learned over the years uh and then i want to get to the reasons why you're still doing it why you're still here and other people are not i'm very stubborn and i'm mildly obsessed and by mildly, I mean I'm very obsessed. And anybody who's an entrepreneurial type will sort of like relate to that right away. You have to sort of have this like undying passion for what you want to do to do it. And you sort of like blindly follow it. And from the outside, it can seem really like over the top. But like you can't be a content creator and look at it as like a nine to five job. Yeah. Right. Like I work every day, all day. Right. But it's not like, and I have family time and I have like a schedule that I keep and I, I'm very regimented in that sort of thing. So I can actually have a family and, you know, do things that I need to get done. But I don't calculate how many hours I invest. I don't calculate like, you know, I'm like, I need to get this done. I do it. I want to get this done. How can I get it done? I do it right it's 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 a like it's a different process yeah and the reason i've been in it for such a long time is i just absolutely love what i do steve i love it i get to play little toy soldiers <laughs> and bring entertainment to people and when people like send me a message and say hey you know thank you so much i learned a lot or you know there's a content creator that's like you know thank you so much for the help you know i wouldn't be where i am without like you inspiring me or give me a kick in the butt or whatever. And, you know, and it's the fact that I've diversified what I do that has kept me sane, right? Like I, I do, I do, I do lore stuff. I have the Patreon. I, I, um, I do like battle reports. I do the streaming. I do there's There's a whole variety of things I do so I can keep myself busy with different aspects. So I don't do one thing crazy i'm like a jack of all trades but that's kind of kept me sane right if that makes sense i would say you're prolific as well you put out a lot of content but it's but there's always something different coming out on the channel you've got just put paint on it you've got your interviews with andy chambers is a good example you've had him on a couple of times you know you get together with people you know and like in the hobby and you just you guys just chat and paint and it's just a nice easy watch or listen if i'm doing my painting you know you've got all sorts of different content that you're producing, as you say, to keep you sane, but it also adds variety to to the channel so that when I'm tuning in, I'm getting different stuff. I'm glad you enjoy it. You know, it's the whole aim is, especially with the pandemic, right? Mm. You know, like I really started getting heavy into content creation. And this is another thing that has kept me going is I had a, like a, I did hard door-to-door like commission sales for seven years. Oh my God. And <laughs> wow! And you know, I built I built a business in sales, right? Like I I had my own company, and I like hired employees, and I like sold stuff, right? And you know, 
And it got to the point where that was just like sucking my soul out of my, my like, just sucking my soul dry. Mm. And I just had to have a change. And that's when I was like, I cannot do this anymore. It's like making me a terrible person. I don't like, you know, only caring about sales. It's like a toxic way to live. And, uh, and so I was sitting in my driveway. I like broke down. You know, I was like, this is like, I just can't do it anymore. And I made like an Instagram post after talking to my wife. I was like, I need to close my business because I'm going to like go crazy. And I'd like to try and make content for a living. And uh, at the time I'd had the Patreon and it was like self-sufficient where you could like, you know, I could, it paid for me to go to like a tournament every month. You know what I mean? Like. It was like a self-sustaining thing. And I put a post out and I was like, I'm going to shut my business down. I want to, I would like to do this full time. And if you'd like to support me, I'm going to be doing free content and like some exclusive stuff, but it's mainly going to be free content. If you'd like to see something happen and I cannot express how grateful I am even now, like I'm like, it, it makes me tear up and well up a little bit how grateful I am that the community that it's the best community ever, like just propped me up at like the lowest point in my life. Sorry. And, um, and was like, do it. You know what I mean? Like, go ahead, follow your dream. And I, I'll, I'm so grateful. Man, anyway. that's, that's amazing. That is amazing. It's amazing to me because winters, you know, winters SEO and, and Liam have a similar story and, 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 a, even Lawrence, you know, the when they have gone out and said, this is what we want to do, and the community around them has gone, yes, and just said, let us help you. While we're, while we're on this, mate, if we can, how do we yeah, yeah, for sure. How do we support you? Like if, if people are listening to this and they go, hey, I'm not as familiar with your material, how do we find you, how do we support you, sign up for the Patreon and so on? Well, uh, that's the, the Patreon is the main platform, of course. Um, you know, it's uh, Scott cast, you know, patreon.com slash Scott cast. Yeah. I do like a couple of Patreon exclusive stuff every week, mm. you know, a variety of different things, you know, but that's not the only way that someone can, you know, help out. Of course, like sharing, liking, like getting that algorithm going, you know, uh, that sort of stuff really does help, you know, YouTube channel wise and whatever. There's lots of different ways that the community helps. And, uh, yeah. And if you want to check it out, like send me a message on Facebook or on Instagram or, you know, on Twitter or whatever, I'm, uh, I'm willing to help you out as much as I can as well. So, you know, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship with the community and it's very important to remember that. While we're on the community, not just the community of people who are watching and following and learning from the videos you put out, but also the community of other content creators is great, isn't it? I, you're doing more collabs with guys like mini Wargaming and so on that I've seen. Tanya the Wall Mistress, um, you know, who does uh, Be Nice Roll Dice on YouTube, you know, mini wargaming. Oh, man, that's been like a dream. Like, it's been absolutely incredible with Dave and Matthew and Steve and Luca and Josh and the whole crew. Um, that has been like surreal. And I, I've been getting to go down there like every week for like the last, like, I want to say three or four months. It's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, uh, play almost. on tabletop as well. Did I see a photo of you and Tanya? At yeah, yeah. It was uh, play on tabletop last week. Um, I got to be in the season three one, which is awesome. Yeah, 
And uh, so that was super fun. And uh, I love doing collabs and I can't wait to like go to England, you know, when the whole thing, you know, and go and play with Winters and then go and get, go to Vanguard, you know, uh, Vanguard and go to Tabletop Tactics. And I want to do like the whole like tour, like it just to follow in that, (laughs) like, yeah, I just want to, I just want to show every, I want to play everybody as many people as I can as I work my way to my big goal, which is my world tour of Warhammer, which I cannot (laughs) wait to that is so cool. I mean, do you know what? That would be my dream as well. Go to England and, and follow that tour. And, and likewise, when I was talking to Dave at Mini Wargaming, getting to Canada and, and the Canhammer guys, I just want to go there and play them. So doing like a, a buddies tour around North America and the UK and even Europe with guys like Tom Adriani and a bunch of people in Europe that, that only through this hobby have I met. I want to uh, get into uh, the Canadian team. Now you know, get away from the WCO the content creation. We're getting serious now, is it? Okay. Well, are you, are you listening? Um, world team championship teams, we're gonna crush you. <laughs> Assistant captain of the Canadian. How good is it to play for your country? That must be amazing. Oh, I love it. Um, you know, was it 2018 is when I really kind of started taking competitive gaming seriously. You know, it's funny because someone like Nick Nanavati, who's been um in the competitive scene for 15 years or something since he was like a, like a youngling. (laughs) Um, and I really only got started in 2018 and it's, uh, and since then I've, you know, being a part of the WTC team and going to that first like ETC in 2018, then going in 2019 again, it's just, you learn so much and you see how talented people from around the world are at this game. And how varied the metas are and how this game is like such an international language where it doesn't matter where you're from or, you know, what language you speak or what your currency is. Like, you can all agree that Tau are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, that's good. That is not how I was expecting that to end. That's very good. (laughs) Uh, good and then uh with those guys uh where did i see this you were in a team i feel like you were in the canadian team even or or a group of other people who were part of the canadian team and then nick nanavati and siegler and those came up from the states they had the art of war team the camera team tournament at uh 2019 Mm. so it's just before everything really kind of like shut down and, uh, yeah, Siegler and Nanavati just came and ripped everybody to bits. But that it seems like that kind of thing, playing in a team's event like that would be just enormously good fun. Yeah, absolutely. It was great fun. I want to say that it was they had it was the Charity Hammer team that they made. So it was Colin, That's Nick, right. Richard Siegler, John Lennon. And I think they brought um, – who's the fifth player? Oh, my goodness. I know it is. Um, uh, he's a fantastic, fantastic person. And I played him at the ATC, and I'm going to remember after I, after I talk about this. All right, let's put everybody out of their misery, and I'll cut in here and say this. Scarry did remember, as soon as we stopped recording, the name he was looking for here is Andrew Gonyo. Of course it was. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's carry on, because this bit is important. Only game they lost was the game I played against John Lennon. I 
crushed John Lennon. <laughs> That's got to feel good. It's funny you should mention in 2018 you started taking it more seriously because, honestly, looking through all of the videos and kind of calculating numbers and having a look through everything that you've done over the last few years, I feel like around that same time is when things, just in terms of viewer numbers and consistency, things things picked up on your channel as yeah. well. Well, it was it was it was a it was a about 2017. I went to the Canhammer Team Tournament, and this was like the start of Eighth Edition. And they did a a Eighth Edition Index Only Tournament. And so my goal was to I hadn't gone to a big tournament like this was the first time going to a major tournament. And I went. I took my Dark Elder, and I was like the big shit or whatever. And then I went there. Pardon my language. That's fine. And I got absolutely crushed. Like I went like two and four or three and three or something. And I was, I was like not expecting that result at all. And it really opened my eyes to the fact that I could be better. I put my head down and then a year later I won it. So I was like, <laughs> wow. I, uh, I just, just put the grindstone down and practiced and practiced. And, and that was my goal to go back and do better. But, uh, I ended up winning on in that year, which was like awesome. Yeah. Still have the trophy and I, Big Thunderhammer. That's <laughs> so cool. The idea of winning a tournament is so foreign to me. Um, before before I let you go, and I'll, we're running out of time, but I I do want to um, to run a couple of other questions past you if I can while I've got you. We could probably double the length of this episode because yeah. I'm a chatter. <laughs> yeah, and I talk for a living, so we'd be fine. Um, proudest achievement in Warhammer? What do you think it is? Uh, doing it for a living. Yeah. To be able to reach people and to and to have an impact on people's lives, like mm-hmm. and 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 be able to just get up in the morning, take my kid to school after not seeing him for seven years, working like this other job, literally being away from home for like seven years while my kid was growing up, and then being able to like wake up, take him to school, do my work, pick him up from school, and mm-hmm. see him like every day. It's amazing. So good. So like. Just be that is probably the most the thing I'm the most proud of. Yeah. In twenty years of playing the game and then uh, you know, creating content, what is the best army that has ever been in forty K, do you think? Black Templars, hundred percent. Because they are zealous crusaders and they go around murdering everything. <laughs> um, and purge the Xenos and all that good stuff. Right. Yeah, I kind of meant competitively, but I'm going to flag that away and just accept your answer because that's just great. I have to show you the logs that I have of me writing narrative logs for every game I ever played with my Black Templars really? in the Imperial, like, like date the Imperial date system, like the long M thirty two four 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 seven seven two thousand. Like, actually, I'd write the for whole date and write an, a whole paragraph of every game I played, and every one of my Black Templars was named. Wow, I love that I was, so much. It, it, like I was very heavy into the the lore, even though like I played okay, but I was like super heavy into the lore. Like oh, I loved it so much. Yeah, I love the idea of I, I, outside of the radio thing. I do a bit of writing, and I love the idea of creating these stories for the characters. And I, as I'm building my Black Tem- Templar army now, I'm not that this episode is about me, but I, I get it. Is what I'm saying. I'm. I like the idea of I've come up with a black terror. Understand you, brother. Yeah, creating a, a my my army is red, not black, and so they are called the Red Dawn. Get it, Dawn. Ooh, cool. I and, like it. And so uh, coming up with it's, the story of why why the why the red and all of this sort of backstory for the army, which I've yet to do, but I can't wait to sit down and just kind of map it all out. Um, 
Toughest opponent you've ever played? Toughest opponent I have ever played was a player called Blackie. Uh, first WTC game I ever played, or an ETC game. Yeah. He was uh, the Harlequin player for the uh, Scottish team. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and I and it was my first game ever, and he was like one of the Harlequin playtesters for the Harlequin Codex. And it was one of the closest, most intense games I've ever played. And it was like an it was like uh, it was like a f- trial by fire into the WC, <laughs> and and it was great, like very tough game. I di- I think I I either tied him or I won by like one point or something. And I was very like satisfied after that game. Yeah. Uh, let Let's finish with this. Um, you and Spider. This Lawrence, been, if yeah. you're listening, and you better be listening. I challenge you to a match in the arena. You versus me, although actually you'd probably just crush me because I'm like a very small person and you have like oaks for arms and you did like martial arts. So dice rolling wise, we will face each other at some point and it will be televised, um, hopefully live stream. It'd be really fun. Will it be Drew Carey versus Drew Carey? I guess it has to be. A hundred percent it will. <laughs> I don't care how many jet bikes he brings. Yeah. You know, I will. I will. I He will. His his waves will crash against my my amazing wall of steel and sinew. <laughs> I love it. I feel like the the call out has happened a little bit. Like I've seen a bit on Facebook recently with um, Lawrence said, "You guys are going to cross swords at some point." So hopefully for the rest of us watching, that is sooner rather than later. So I, I J T McDowell, I got to play him from Play on Tabletop. Yeah. So that one is like a notch on the belt. Next. You, Lawrence, you better be ready for when I come for you. Uh, Scary, Ridvan, thank you so much for your time, mate. I really appreciate it. It's, it's been uh, wonderful to catch up with you. Keep up the amazing work. I, I couldn't be happier that you're doing what you want to do and uh, you're able to make a living on it and see your son, all of those good things. So uh, keep it up. Thank you very much, Steve. And to everybody out there, you know, if you have a dream, just start it. You know what I mean? Just just do it. Don't 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 look back. And uh, there's people around you who believe in you. So, you know, people are awesome. And this community, coolest community ever. Thank you so much for having me on, Steve. This has been a a hoot and a blast, and I really appreciate it. My thanks to Ridvan Martinez for talking to me today. Please go check out his huge library of stuff, interviews and battle reports and all. The links are in the show notes for this episode. But if you look up ScaredCast, that's S-K... A-R-E-D cast you'll find him also please go like and follow us on Facebook get all the game changes at the website 40kgamechangers.com all of the interviews are there the backlog and thanks for listening to this episode we'll see you next time I'm Steve Joel this has been 40k Game Changers Game Changers